Blog Talk Radio. There was a time I was so afraid, so scared to do what I wanted. In looking back, I can see all the mistakes that I made, and I wish that I could talk to me and tell me I can change. Don't be afraid. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio Safe Recovery. This is Monica Richardson, and I am your host. Today is January 30th, 2019, and today we have on Teresa Rodden, who is a sober coach and author of The Primed Drinker and Holy Sober. In 2010, with seven years of struggling free sobriety, Teresa knew that the traditional path of getting and living sober was not, was not helping enough people. And she auditioned for the Oprah Winfrey Network to create a show traveling through the country to learn and share how others got and lived in recovery without 12 steps and Alcoholics Anonymous. Oprah didn't call, but that didn't stop her. Teresa had hoped on her, who had, I'm sorry, Teresa had hopped on her pink cloud and rode out of the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous to save her sobriety and knew there had to be something she could do to help others. In 2012, she founded Pink Cloud Coaching and started promoting, advocating, and coaching women to break free from the need to misuse alcohol without identifying as an alcoholic and become inspired to go after life sober instead. She has since since published Holy Sober, How I Stopped Thinking About Drinking and Started Loving My Life and Ready to Release her second book, The Primed Drinker, in which she explores the idea that the current path of recovery is creating alcoholism, a belief that hinders more than it helps. Today, with over 15 years of sobriety um, or absence and has helped thousands of women through coaching, writing, speaking, and social media, Teresa is thrilled with the emerging scientific evidence that supports her philosophy and her work. Okay, so now I'm going to bring on Teresa. Hi, Teresa. Welcome to the show. Hi, Monica. Thank you. You've got it all. I guess I can hang up now. Uh, <laughs> no, I just took off your bio right off your page, and I was like, okay, this is very good. So thank you. Welcome to the Thanks. show. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing excellent. It's a beautiful spring-like day here in Oregon, Oregon. Yeah, and the poor people in the middle of the country are, like, freezing, right? We're warm here, too, in Southern California and up there, and they're having, like, a polar freeze over there. That's crazy, yeah. Yeah. I think think we here up here in the West Coast upper, we're we're getting through this winter without any real blasts of cold. So that's, that's cool for us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would like to just jump right in uh, just to yeah. tell you that I love your book. Uh, I didn't get to finish it, so I'll just, um, you know, keep on plowing through. But one of the things, it's so funny, I just noticed this now, at some of the places you have, like, links at the very bottom, sort of in a, a shadowed look. I just noticed this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's start with, do you, do you mind talking, I mean, I didn't read Holy Sober, but I, I definitely am after now when I get through this, because I like this so much. Do you want to talk a little bit about Holy Sober, or do you just want to focus on the primed drinker? Well, no, I mean, sure, we can talk about Holy Sober. Holy Sober is basically my, my memoir of my alcoholic, or I, I don't even really use the term alcoholic, but my alco- my relationship with alcohol which started at my first hangover at just five years old. It was something that, um, and, and the first 
chapter of Holy Sober is actually titled Primed. Because oh, I was wow. Primed so this is your, that's you your memoir. Ah, ah, okay. Yeah. I see. Yeah, so, uh, well, no, then I think we should talk about this, uh, this book here. So this is called, if you're listening, The Primed Drinker. And is it for pre-sale yet? Can uh, it will be on Friday. On Friday. Okay, on Amazon on or, or your website as well? Yes, it'll, be, it'll just be, the Kindle will be available, the Kindle version will be available, and I'm offering it at a crazy screaming low price at 99 cents just to get the ah. word out there. Oh, my God. And how much is this book going to sell for, the one like I have in my hand? $16.95. Okay, great. Um, so what made you say after, you know, the years? Oh, well, I just want to do a little plug for you. So it looks to me like you have a really nice website, and it's called Pink Cloud, right? Yes, Pink, Pink Cloud. Cloud Coaching. Pink Cloud Coaching. And... Um, what made you go from the point where okay you did your you know your memoir and uh then you say okay now this book has to be written and by the way I do have to say that I I really uh even though I didn't finish it I really love it and feel like in these last couple of years we've had some new books published that are were really really needed and to start a very different conversation and so we have you know the book that the freedom model, I think it started with maybe Lance Doty's The Sober Truth and then Beyond Addiction by Jeff Foote, um, which is about craft, you know, just like not treating people the way they have for a long time. And this book, it just really resonated to so many things. So let's talk, we'll talk about more about that, what I think, but if you could tell me what made you say, okay, nope, I have to write this book. What was that? the thing that made you jump well, and say, the, I do this. It, it's been long coming and I wanted to write the book I wanted to write this book first but spirit had something else in mind that mm-hmm. I needed to flush through my my history before I could get to this book so it's something that I always knew was there and then um so it's something that's been in the works but I have to say that I think it was um Mark Lewis's work his his mm. most recent book, The Biology of Desire, that really kind of it, it it really kind of solidified that everything that I was talking about and everything that I've been coaching and everything that I've experienced was validated and confirmed and substantiated in his work and what he found to be true and that that is just that alcohol or addiction is is a habit and it's something that we learned and that we can unlearn it the same way and that we don't have to be labeled. Um, and that he he doesn't agree that it's the, a disease because he, the whole basis that it's a disease is that our brains change. And he says, well, your brains do change whenever you become passionate about something. If you become mm-hmm. passionate about piano, your brain changes the same way it does when you're passionate about scoring your next hit or your next six pack. Yeah, so I thought that was, was pretty. I thought it was pretty interesting. And the other part, though, that you really simplify that. You know, we have all these fights in these groups or discussions in Facebook that have been going on for a while. And the best part is, like, the way you just lay it out so simple where you just said, like, what disease is there no uh, blood test for? And yet this is – I'm going to be self-diagnosing this disease as well, like, is, isn't that just enough? And then they they want you to, you know, uh, we have to set, uh, send them a link to back up while we're saying, you know, what we mean by that it's not a disease. When they say, well, NIDA says it's a disease, and the American Medical Association says it's a disease. But, like, the way you lay it out, so simply I'm like, God, that's all we have to say now from, like. <laughs> well, how is NIDA going to backtrack now, right? It's just like Nestle, if he- if, if Nestle said chocolate was the, was the greatest chocolate in the world and, and we find out that it's not the greatest chocolate in the world, now what do they say? It's kind of the same thing now. I, I'm, I'm curious because you can't refute really Mark Lewis's testimony and, and his work, and so how are they going to backtrack now? Yeah, My well, problem think, with – Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. No, no, well, I think I, that – yeah, go ahead. Well, I mean, the other thing, too, that I mean, the thing that I was saying before I read your book was, well, if it's a disease, why are you treating people with a book from the 30s, like in a basement uh, with non-professionals? Like, what are you talking about? Like, then shut up and like, let's, 
okay, maybe they're going to find out it is like or five, ten years from now, then why is 95% of the treatment AA? Which is not treatment. It's just a support group. If it's Which even is not, that, right? Right. It's not. It's not medical. It's not. Right. So you right. you don't treat. Right. Exactly. You don't treat diabetes with a spiritual book. So mm-hmm. how? Why would you treat a disease of alcoholism or addiction with a book? And I know I get a lot of pushback on that. And I've had I've had um, you know conversations. I will say uh, about that whole theory that, well, you can't test for it and there's nothing that can confirm that you have a disease. It's just simply a conclusion that you come to. And even if they did an autopsy, they can't prove that you have a disease. They only can see whether or not you've done damage to your organs or your, you know, that that's all they can do. They can only come to the conclusion of, but there's nothing that tests absolutely for a disease. Mhm, mhm. So this book has been in the making for you know quite quite many years, and then you. How long did it take you to write it? Well, um, I'd say a couple of years. <laughs> it was only because you, when you're taking on, I feel like when you're putting something out there that's going to push against, um, you know popular opinion and something that is so ingrained in our culture, the 12 steps in AA. And I'm not trying to take them on, but I am absolutely saying that that's not the whole truth. You need to, there's more information. Um, Mm -hmm. It it takes a lot of courage to do something like that. And you don't, and I don't have a huge support system as, as people who are out there that continue to, you know, preach the 12 steps and Alcoholics Anonymous there's a big, there's a big choir there, chorus there, and and I just don't have that support, and so it it took a little while to to gather the courage to put it in writing and stand behind it 100. percent Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had no idea it was so big. Like when I interviewed, say, Mark Kern, who was part of creating Moderation Management when the splinter happened and Smart Recovery was created, like about 25 years ago, that when he first got into the business, so he is a professional who. Um, actually had a problem with alcohol, very serious one, almost died of seizures when he was in college, and, um, you know, really wanted to stop but not AA way, and uh, talked about what it was like to get a job in the field 25 years ago. And I can mm-hmm. really sense how lonely it was. And th- and through that, it was only, that was mm-hmm. the beginning, how big AA is embedded everywhere, including whether it's, you know, NIDA and the NCADD, which is a front for AA. It's Marty Mann's, you know, baby that was once the National Council on Alcoholism. And that if you have, like, our czar, you know, our drug czar with Obama was an AA guy, you know, an outed AA guy. Mm-hmm. And, and all the stuff that you're saying, but do I do feel that we are at a, I think we've, we've reached a tipping point. And I think that the depths of um, a lot of millennials and other people with opioids is pushing um, the exposure of the failed system. And in fact, I just, mm-hmm. you know, a bunch of mm-hmm. things that just inspired me. I just created a Facebook group called um, Addiction Treatment Reform and think it really needs to happen. And uh, I guess as I was, you know, reading through your book and uh, witnessing a, a trial, a wrongful death trial, for uh, Amy Brilliant, who you know was in the hands of an extreme interventionist, oh. uh, mm-hmm. that you sit there listening to this horseshit, uh, quite frankly, of somebody who has no anything after their name, um, you know, past tough guy, seven years in prison, nine DUIs, but I mean, he didn't even try to go get a what is it called, a cactus, like a CAC? <laughs> I mean, he's just got nothing, and he puts people in houses that are not even sober living, and they call it sober living. I'm like, that's Carrie Fisher's house. Like, what part of that is not a sober living, you know? Right. Like, it, like it's so just bizarre, but um, so piecing, sitting and watching that and then, you know, uh, reading your book, it's like, yeah, I think it's time. So I love pieces like, uh, you know, it's just, we could start at the beginning. Um, yeah. Beginning. One thing that's that's really mm-hmm. clear in the, in, is that how how we're um, indoctrinated with it. So if a woman is, is, is sitting by and she's, oh, you know, I wonder if I'm drinking too much. And she does that simple inquiry. And I go into this in detail in the book. I actually yeah. even do one of the tests. And it tells me that I'm... Um, extremely at risk and I need to contact their treatment center right away. 
But mm. you're just curious, yeah. right? And you're yeah. curious right. and, and, and you want to be 100% honest because most of the women I work with are incredibly highly successful women. And so they're, they're just, they're very integral and they're, you know, they're, they're, they're concerned. So they do this test and they answer very honestly and there's no room to, well, what was the situation around it? What was the circumstances? There's nothing there for that. So now they've, they've not only got this confirmation from this test saying you're extremely, you know, at risk of developing or have a, an alcohol use disorder, which is just a fancy term for alcoholism. Yeah. Um, then they start getting all of the speed that comes into their website and their social media saying, you need a treatment, you need treatment, you need treatment. And it's a constant conversation that's happening now. And yeah. so what do they do? Yeah. They start absorbing that and downloading that, that ism of addiction. And, the, and now they have this, this constant loop in their head, this worm in their head that's saying, you have a problem, you have a problem, you, you probably have alcoholism, you are, and you start looking throughout your entire family for any clue and connection that this is true. Right, right. Like Even on page so, 40, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, go ahead. Yeah, the, on page 42, uh, just exactly what you said, test it for yourself. And I, I think that's too bad. Like, there are so many great things about the Internet. You know, we found each other, and I find all these like-minded people who've left AA and uh, such. But this other part, like, if you, early on when you went into uh, and searching, you would not be sort of attacked by this. And uh, but you say here, um, addiction is a disease will come up. Addiction is an epidemic. No one can do it alone. If you don't get help, you will die. <laughs> verbatim, those are words verbatim yeah. that I took, and mm-hmm. I even I even included the links to the commercial that runs nonstop in the evenings here. Mm. And so what do you do? You get that in your head, and it's like, oh, my gosh, do I really have a problem? I probably have a problem. I probably need to go get treatment. And it's just – and they they start linking to this identification. Right, And I think that – that is – it's creating a lot of problems out there. Mm Mm-hmm. I love it. Misusing is not alcoholism. It's not a disease. It's a habit. This is primed through our associative thoughts that lead to our choice to drink. So talk about, you know, how you uh, came up with this. You stayed in A only a short time, is that right? What is your experience, and then how do you leave, and then how do you develop your your own thing? I'm glad you asked that because I think it's I think it's a compelling story is I had never tried to get sober before. I had questioned my drinking at one point a few years before I um, hit rock bottom, as they say, or found myself in the hands of, a, of a, um, an abuser, massive abuser. His name's Prince Harming and Holy Sober. Um, mm. But he, uh, he, I went bankrupt, triple bankruptcy, over $50,000 to IRS, and I was homeless and jobless by the time I got sober but <laughs> it oh, was well. crazy. Yeah, mm. but I, I decided I wanted to get sober. And luckily, I found a doctor that didn't just push me off to treatment or say that I, hadn't, or that I was an alcoholic and I had a disease and I can't recover. Instead, in the emergency room, he educated me and told me how it was exacerbating my anxiety and how it was disrupting my sleep and how um, it deteriorates a woman's body much faster than it does a man and how we're much mm-hmm. more susceptible to cancers and heart disease and brain damage. And with all that education, I made a decision to get sober and I stopped drinking. I went to, I did put myself in outpatient because Prince Harming told me that I was going to go through detox and that I was going to have all these problems and I wasn't going to be able to quit on my own because I had this disease and started the whole uh, storyline, right? right? And I right. didn't know any better. I'd never... I'd never not drank before so, yeah. um, since, uh, since I was about 12 years old. So, so I put myself an outpatient, and I didn't have any problems. I didn't detox or anything. And then um, he, he was very controlling, didn't want me away from him. So he kept trying to get me to go to AA, but more of my counselors didn't like AA. And so for oh, whatever reason, lucky. I decided I didn't. Huh? Yeah. You got lucky. That's yeah. very good. Were you in Oregon then? Yes. Mhm. Yes. 
But I ended up going to AA because he kept pushing. He wanted me to go to AA where he could be with me. Wow. So, so I ended up going to AA on my 59th day of sobriety, and that night I drank, oh, oh which is God. really interesting, right? I don't think things happen. Things don't happen on accident, but I drank that night. But I think he had a lot to do with that. Um, just he set up he set up some things in motion, like he didn't. I didn't want my sister around. My sister was my drinking buddy. I knew she'd be a trigger for me. She'd be a temptation yeah. for me. So I told him, I don't want her around. I had that conversation with her. Everybody was cool with it. While I was taking a nap after our AA meeting, he called my sister, invited her over. It was Saturday night, sunny day, just like today. And I, I just felt like I was under the gun. And so I went ahead and drank. And then the next day I woke up crying through the whole day because they're right. I have this disease. I can't control it, blah, 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 blah. I went to an AA meeting and uh, another AA meeting got myself a sponsor that night. And I was a devout member for the next six months. I mean, I went to a meeting, if not two meetings, every single day. I was the I know. I went in. I was. I'm. I'm down with this. I'm going to get sober. It's quick, it's quick, it's quick programming, isn't it? Very quick brainwashing. How old were you when that happened? Uh, thirty-six. Thirty-five. Okay, so 36. you were at a better age to not get thirteen-step. It still could happen, but you're a little bit, you know, older, like you were in, in your teens or your early twenties. For the but interesting. For the yeah. Go ahead. Step. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was, you know, I think about that, and I and I also, I got mothered quickly by my sponsor, and they were referred to and regarded as the king and queen of AA. We were in a small town community, and they and they kind of ran the show, and yeah. so she kind of took me under her wing, and you could read all about that in Holy Sober, how the manipulation happens, and how you just kind of become pets. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And and it's true. It's it's absolutely true. Was but he have any redeeming qualities? I, I mean, I I wound up getting you know close with a, Harry and Mary Lake, who were the Hawaiian couple. They were sort of on the you know they weren't the rich couple. They were the the ones that had been on welfare and homeless, and then they got sober. But they certainly saved. Like once I got hooked up with them, you know, the men just like left me alone. They were like terrified of Harry and Mary, right? Which was a good thing. Uh, well, they actually. But, uh, my sponsors actually hooked me and my now husband up early I and mean, okay. we were early. He was, he was what they called a retread. He had been trying, he'd been struggling in AA since he was 17, but I don't oh. know. I guess they still thought we might make a good couple. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. <laughs> so he'd been struggling for like 15 years or something. Is he at the same age as you? He had been struggling for almost 20 years. Yes, we are the same exact age. So he had oh, been wow. he had been in the program since he was 17 years old, trying to stay sober. And he would go times without drinking, but he'd be smoking dope while he. And so, see, right? I mean, there's so many things that happen. But luckily, you know, it did work out for for us, and um, we are happily married and have been ever since. And and that's I think good. that's because we left AA. Yeah, and he's never, yeah. he hasn't had a drink since. What? Oh, he my God. I've never is... seen that man drink. Wow, that's funny. Oh, my God. It's interesting how there's, you know, somebody like that who was in it and, and like, was always, you know, on and off, on and off, and somebody like me who was in it and, like, sober all those years, abstinence, and then I finally leave, and I'm, like, a moderate drinker. Uh, but, um yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so you had these uh, sponsors, and, uh, like, I, I know it's so funny. I was like, oh, lucky you, only six months. But you felt like it was, like, a long time anyway, you know, well, like I when we talked briefly. Well, I committed 100%. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I opened, the, I opened the Monday through Friday meeting, uh, the noon meeting at the church, because nobody else would. So I yeah. opened that meeting every single, every every Monday through Friday. For those six months, I went to Oof. the Sunday night meeting, the Wednesday night meeting, the Tuesday night women's meeting, the Saturday morning meeting. Oh, Lord. <laughs> my life revolved oh, around God. AA. You know, the only time I ever yeah, went back, often, I was like, became like suicidal and very depressed. Like no one ever told me to go to AA that much. Like it was like once or twice a week, you know, maybe three times. My, when I had two sponsors, she was like, no, you shouldn't go more than three. It's not healthy. 
Um, you should go to the movies and do things with other young people. <laughs> Why I probably stayed, you know, because they were a little saner in the 70s. At least the people I knew in Hawaii, there was none of that, like, daily shit. And I did do it because I went through a period. Oh, anyway, anyway, enough about me. I don't want to talk about myself. Uh, um, so, okay, get out there and you. But what, I did you, it. My, my sponsor didn't tell me to do this, by the way. It was something. I was committed to it. I was just yeah. committed to making. I, yeah, was, I wasn't going back. I, and so, um, you know, two months into my sobriety, my, my new sobriety date, because I drank that one night, which I, it, I mean, I could argue that, but whether or not that resets my clock, but it's irrelevant to me. So, um, yeah, I think that's so silly. About, that's the part I love about smart, you know, that they, they don't do that. I think that's so punitive. When somebody has like five years and she insane. drinks a bottle of wine, it's like, you know, you had a lapse, okay? The five years is still there. She still had all that time. You of, learned everything you learned. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, why take the dignity away? Why take that away? I don't understand. That's so, and that's exactly why people keep, why they go out on vendors. And, and they don't come back for months. It's because, well, I might have screwed it up. I might as well just go for it. Yeah, it's so I, just, I think it's harmful. Right. It's so like Est yeah. or Scientology, you know. Like it's just a. I don't think that they were. I mean, I don't know because I wasn't there in the 30s. But they were trying to uh, get people on board. I bet you they were way more laid back about oh, yeah. how people, you know, uh, how they were treated and stuff. Um, but nevertheless, you guys leave together. Did you leave at the same time? You and your husband. He he went. He went a couple more times, but um, I noticed early on, and I write about this in The Prime's Drinker, you know, Mark Lewis talks about the feedback loop, how we start the chain thinking of, you know, our, our, our desire is triggered and that, that sends the message for the dopamine, which is a goal, a goal attainment fuel. And mm-hmm. then we start imagining more, you know, and we just create more memories of remember when, remember when. And every time we go through that loop, the craving gets stronger and stronger and stronger. Well, when Rich and I first, Rich my husband, when we first mm-hmm. got sober, he would come home and he would say things like, oh, I remember when I used to come home on Fridays. And I would, and I would tell him and I would stop him immediately and say, stop romanticizing it. It's not sexy. It's not good. You're not drinking. And so I stopped, and I had no idea this was, you know, a feedback loop or neuroscience or anything. But uh-huh. I knew that if he started sexing it up and making it hot and sexy, then he was going to not be able to withstand the temptation. So right. stop. Well. So, so the, I call it romanticizing it, but the, uh, Mark Lewis calls it the feedback loop. So, right. So, again, you know, there it is. Yeah, so, um, yeah. All right, so you leave so he's, and he's, he's never drank. Yeah. <laughs> and uh I, you know, we just touched on it very very slightly. You said the word and I, this was a really big part of me deprogramming from AA was changing the narrative and I didn't even know there was a thing called like narrative therapy or you know, you have your, the story that we tell and I realized that there was a story that I told and then, you know, I I leave AA and then I'm like I get immersed in all these people I'm interviewing, right, from Smart Recovery and just all the professionals that were out there, all these books I was reading. And I was like, I think I should – and I, 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 you know what? I just found myself telling it in a new way. Like, And then yeah. Kevin would say stuff because Kevin left – he's my husband, left six months after me. We're at this party, and he goes, oh, no, I better not have that. I will, I'll drink the whole bottle. And I was like, what are you talking about? It's like, I haven't had a drink in 20 years. How do you know what you'll do with that shot of tequila? And like we were in front of all these regular that, people, right? But, but I was like, yeah, I think I drank one drink, like for like months, and I only had one drink every time I had something. Well, and you're you're exactly right about the narrative, and that's a hard brainwash. That's a hard thing mm-hmm. to let go of when you've been told all this time that you're going to reignite the beast, that the monster's just out there in the parking lot doing push-ups, getting stronger know, know. and stronger, waiting to take you down. Bum 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 bum. Oh my gosh, give me a drink. That's what made me leave AA. Was if mm-hmm. I have to keep fighting this bastard, I'm done. He can have it. I'm I'm just gonna have a drink. And so I that's why I hopped on my pink cloud and rode out of the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. But that's exactly what it is. Is and Rich Rich says, I wonder if I could drink now and I said, 
well, why do you want to drink? And he goes, I don't know. It just feels good to get fucked up. And it's like, well, then you probably shouldn't drink. (laughs) (laughs) If you're just drinking to get effed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm totally with you. Like, I think that nobody should drink to get, I mean, look, you know, grown men, you want to do what you want to do, but I think it's a bad right. idea myself uh, that that's your, what you want to do. I think if you want to have it to be social, do you want to have a drink or two uh, to try it after all that time? But I think a head full of AA and alcohol is a bad idea and one should deprogram. I and agree. Really, and the other thing 100%. I think is that people should look at their stories and retell the story. They'll go back and look at the story and really separate themselves from what was said in those rooms to what, what, what did you really drink like? Like I started saying to Kribben, like, okay, like, what did you drink like in high school? Oh, you didn't drink at all. Oh, well, when did you start? Oh, in college. Oh, so you were like crazy partier like, like half of the other rest of kids in college. But you, you start to, like, look at people in different ways and did they use drugs and what kind and, what, you know, did somebody like something better? And, you know, that the whole sweeping thing in AA that everybody, everything's the same. No, it's not. Like opiate pe- people right. don't like alcohol most of the time at all, like someone who loves gin. Right. Right? So, uh, and, and, I mean, and opiates have a different hook, a chemical hook to them than alcohol. Alcohol, you have to, you have to be pretty down and dirty with alcohol before it really becomes a physiological addiction. Mm-hmm. And most people that I see that I, that go into the rooms of AA are far beyond that. I mean, they're so far away from that. that right. That, it's it's ridiculous. And so when I work with women, it's always, you know, I I, I uh, do a consult with them and I'm listening for things that that telltale signs that maybe we're not a good fit because I don't work with mm-hmm. everybody. If they're telling me that they can't start the day without a fist, I'm not the person to work with you because I want somebody who can make conscious choices. I can only work with somebody who can make conscious choices of how they want to move forward in life. And most of the time, Monica, it's because they don't, have any aspiration goals or dreams that they're moving towards it's just that they've gotten in these ruts and they've settled mm-hmm. yeah i think so don't i mean have anything that they're going after i do think that there are so many types like i was talking to an old friend who's still in aa uh and she was like well you know monica she said remember in the days when you we were growing up there was like one drunk in the town, she goes. All these people aren't drunks. They don't. She's like, <laughs> she's still in AA. They don't belong going to AA either. <laughs> like, they're not really alcohol dependent. Because I hate the word alcoholic, and I, you rarely will hear me say it. So I do know that you can become alcohol dependent. And the whole substance use disorder might sound a little sweeter, but it's disorder. I don't really know about that either, right? I think it's habitual. It's the I'm same on the page thing, though. You. If you look it up. Yeah. If you- if you look it up, what is alcohol use disorder? The definition is it's a chronic brain disease. It's not, oh, really? it's not any different. Wow. Yeah. Do a search. Do Google it. Say, what is AUD? What is alcohol use disorder? It'll bring yeah. up the um, NIAAA, and it'll say it's a chronic brain disease. It's no different. Mm. They just put lipstick on a pig. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I love your language, too. Uh in the way you write, it's I think you should write. She should write a screenplay. You know, we need we need screenplays <laughs> about this. Um, that we, you know, because there's so much like twelve stepping that's promoted through uh, film and, and television, as you, I'm sure you know already. So we need to write these other. Yeah. And you do write in a way that's a very talkable. And uh, so if you're out there, and you don't want something heady, uh, this is very very. Uh, you know, it's an easy read. That's what this is. It's an easy read. And uh, you know, really kind of grabs you. Um, okay, so That's a you great compliment. You, Thank you. you. You're welcome. So you both leave. He comes out. We'll go back to where you're just saying where he was like, "Oh yeah," and and you tell him not. So go. Let's start from pick up from there with your husband. Okay. So something you said about um, a head full of AA and you shouldn't drink is because he does still have that that thinking in his head that he has this disease. You can still hear it in his conversations. So that would be a reason why I would never say, try it, have a drink, give it a go, mm-hmm. is because he's got mm-hmm. that so ingrained in him. I mean, think about it. He was there from 17 years old, court ordered, because he had yeah. ran his car off a ditch. So 17 mm. years old, and as you hear her from Maya, that that he's probably not addicted or an alcoholic at all, but he was just a young kid with a lot of issues drinking and got drunk, but he, he was immediately court ordered to, um, 
AA. At 17. The download process. At 17. All the way up until 30. We were 35 or 36 when we got sober. Well, he can deprogram. He could deprogram and, you know, look at this. It's funny. I'm like, or have my, listen to my podcast and stuff. And we joke about, or I have joked about, I'm going to make a pamphlet. I think that uh, Michelle Dunbar has made a booklet that's online that she'll send to people. She wrote the Freedom Model there at, um, up in upstate New York, her and um, Stephen Slate and Mark Sheeran. And I didn't realize that they had – I think it's a, it's a deprogramming uh, pamphlet. But um, I do think it's really important, just like you can feel it. I mean, sometimes – I mean, because I was doing way more reading, and Kevin was, like, living his life, and he would listen to my podcast, and then – you know, he would still say that kind of stuff. And I was like, no, like, <laughs> don't stop thinking like that. And and I think yeah, on the other side of that coin, mm-hmm. one really has to respect alcohol. Mm-hmm. Like, so my mm-hmm. take on it, too, is this is a very beautiful beverage, but it's a very, very powerful substance as well. And if uh, abused or taken for granted or overused, it can, you know, bite you in the butt. And you can become addicted if to it. If it's misused. If you're yeah, using it right. as a way to right. check out, numb, dumb down, yep. not want to pay attention, if you're misusing it for that, that becomes a habit. And now you don't want to deal with life anymore. Instead, you just turn on to the bottle that will help you diffuse life again. And so that, you know, it, it can. You have to be careful. You have to be aware. With You have to be awake and aware and making conscious choices on when you're drinking. And, and I hate to take the fun out of it, but it's true, just like with anything else. You can't sit in front of the TV and eat a bag of cookies. It's going to add right. up. Right, right, right. T- totally. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this is like just a little, like a sidebar, I guess. What kind of success uh, have you had with your first book? Did you do a radio tour? Did you get on television? Did you get on any local news? I got on local news. I sent out a um, a. a request and they booked me immediately like within 24 hours and I guess I'm a little gun shy because I haven't tried doing any more um mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. with the prime but but that was with the holy with holy sober you know that's that gets down and dirty with my own personal relationship and the choices that I made and how how I um continued to prime myself to need to misuse alcohol through my 20s um mm-hmm. and into my 30s and, and causing pain and needing to drink and causing problems from that drinking, which caused more pain. And I call it the right. PDP cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wasn't so geeked up to promote that book because there's right. a lot of stuff in there, right? Personal. Even Very though it, personal, it, it, but, mm-hmm. it's important. Yeah, but it's a, mem- a memoir. This book, The Primed Drinker, this is what I've always wanted to write. This is what I stand on. This is what I stand behind. This is this is my life's work, and this is going to change and revolutionize the way people are looking at their relationship with alcohol. This one is going to be different. I will I will if I have to drive in my Volvo around the country, I will do that and speak on top of my car. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. I mean, I th- that would be great for you to get on radio shows. Maybe if you look at who interviewed. Mark Lewis, and who interviewed Mike Pol- Michael Pond, who's from Canada. Um, so rather than like fighting against the biggest wall, go where the people are already interested, people who interviewed Gabriel Glaser. Right. So everybody who's kind of already was a little critical, um, I think was um, in New York City. I can't remember WNY. Um, yeah, right. look at the links. Um, but those are the people that would might really be interested in, in talking to you. Great. I'll follow up That would be great. On. Absolutely. Yeah. And even, I think it was Dr. Oz had on um, a woman who I had interviewed who had been through one of those terrible, abusive teen places up in Maine. They had some people on. They're not totally, it's either the doctors or I can I can look in an email and send you later. Um, but okay. I think it's important that we have like this is the next, then this is the the new chapter. This is okay. Um, you know, my kid is luckily alive, 
I mean, this whole thing with the, you know the kids dying, um, and the funny thing is, like, and it's not yeah. funny at all. But I'm like, yeah, it's like not the uh, drugs, you know. It's maybe the treatment that's killing them, and the way you're treating them exactly. that this happens. Um, so you want to? It sounds like you're working with women, and uh, not not the uh, person who is drinking a fifth a day of like gin or vodka. That's not your expertise. No. Right? No, that's not my expertise. My expertise is the the woman who is having a glass, maybe two, maybe a bottle most nights of the week. Um I mean it just doesn't matter. I drank a lot. I drank excessively. But mm-hmm. I didn't detox and I didn't have any challenges. I didn't have any challenges with, with my decision to quit. Mm-hmm. Um I wasn't physiologically dependent on it. There are people that are physiologically dependent on it. And that's just that's where the whole that's that's outside of my realm, and I, and right. I know when to mm-hmm. stay in my lane. I love this here. Nine and ten adults who drink too much alcohol are not alcoholics or alcohol dependent, according to the new study released by the Center for Disease Control and Prevention in collaboration exactly. with. Yeah, talk we, about won't, that? we won't mention that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, that's not celebrated or highlighted in any material. It's all the same thing, like you like you said on page 42. Addiction is a disease. Addiction is an epidemic. No one can do it alone. If you don't get help, you're going to die. That's all mm-hmm. you hear. Yeah. And yeah, we need and it's to have so not hope. true. Yeah, we do. We need to have it's hope. It's not and we true. Need... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And hope stands um, for having other possibilities to explore. We need to have other possibilities to explore. Not everybody fits in the same box. No, they don't. And they really, you really be, are seeing this now, where people are finding their way out of the twelve-step programs, and that how different we all are. And that's one of the things. Actually, I always hated about AA. Even when I was in AA, was that whole thing about, oh, you know, you're not unique. And I was like, yeah, I'm unique. Okay. Like, so there were things they never got me on. Like, I never, I remember when my sponsor said something like, uh, she was, uh, not about um, that it's doing push-ups. Oh, yeah, that my disease was, like, going on and on, even though, like, when I had 15 years sober, that if I picked up a drink and drank, (laughs) I was going to be, and I looked at her and I was like, okay, like, that's fucking crazy. All right, that's, like, Probably not true. And I think I had like 18 months of sobriety and I was like 19 years old. But even then, like I might have been brainwashed about other stuff, but there were a couple of those things where I was just like, you know, I'm not having that, okay? The one that I believed was I was broken. Like that was a really bad one that I bought That's into. Insane. Right? It's so bad until when I was and like, that you're powerless. no, I wasn't powerless because I quit on my own before I went to meetings. So I wasn't powerless, but broken. And it was going to a um, a meditation uh, workshop with a woman in my group in my AA meeting uh, that this guy who trained people in um, quantum meditation, which all used to be, oh, what's it called now? I can't remember. But um, they wanted to get away from sort of spiritual talk and call it quantum. And uh, But anyway, he was the one who said, like, we've done the studies. Like they spent thirty million dollars at UCLA to prove that you're not broken, and I was like, "What? Wait, what did you just say?" <laughs> and he goes, "Even if you've had drug or alcohol problems, you were enlisted as a child. You were like, you're not broken. Like you have." And I was right. like, "Something like that was like also like you feel like there's a crack in your head and it cracks open, light shining in, and there's no going back. And that's a mm-hmm. good thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right." Mine for me, my mine was the pink cloud is when I was through a triple bankruptcy and losing my home and I didn't have a job and all these things were falling apart. And I was still, I mean, I was ecstatic because as far as I was concerned, I was free. I'm no longer stuck with Prince Harming and I, I am not drinking myself numb every night. So I'm free. And so I'm happy. And they kept telling me that I was on this pink cloud. You're on a pink cloud. And it's mm-hmm. going to come crashing down, and you're going to see just how miserable life really is. Right, and right. Isn't that a terrible thing to I say to like, somebody? It's just awful. They said it to well, me, too. It, wow. Yeah, mm. and it's like, and you know what? I like my pink cloud. <laughs> so I think mm-hmm. I'll just keep it and ditch you. And so that's, and I just wonder how many people 
you know, have that sense of hope and optimism and they're ready to, you know, go after life and they're shot down with that same exact scenario, but only they didn't have, for whatever reason I had, the conviction in me to say, screw you, I'm out. You know, right. it just, right. it's, they want, they really want you to be miserable. I'd like that to read was this. my experience. Yes, yes. So, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, I think it's so abusive, like when they started to say that to me because I was on a pink cloud. And, of course, it doesn't last, but why not let me have it, right? Oh, why not no, let I us... cultivated it all this time. I mean, sure, shit oh, happens, I... but. <laughs> I'm really crushed. Yeah, Mine didn't. I got, thir- yeah, I got 13 steps, like, right before a year by these two fucking oh. sick middle-aged men. But um, I want to read this piece because I think, I love the writing, but um, I think it's pretty interesting. By now you know why it's important to consider if you're a prime drinker before you jump to the alcoholic end of the spectrum. If you are primed, it means you can still choose to either moderate your drinking, abstain for a time or a lifetime, or ignore your drinking habits and continue without any support and hope for the best. Chances are very good you'll find your way. Remember those stats about the likelihood of remission without treatment earlier? It's important to understand every choice you make moves you closer to either end of the continuum, social or alcoholic, and that you focus on the fact that overcoming alcoholism is possible. Your disease is not waiting for a moment of weakness to take you down. Okay, like that is such a great Mm. line. You are so powerful. A great, great, great thing right there. Then for a long time, I believed the opposite. And it's this belief that took me to a metaphorical cliff, prepared to jump into a bottle of booze. It was this very belief that had me grabbing my ass and running for the exit door of the AA meeting with less than a year (laughs) of sober. I've never looked back. And that was January of 2004. That is a wonderful, those, those three paragraphs there is like uh, powerful. That's page 81. Ah, oh, awesome. Good to hear. Mm-hmm. It's nice to have some feedback. Yeah. Yeah, it's really uh, it's so refreshing to read something from... I don't know, lay person, whatever. Well, let's talk about sober coaching, okay? Let's talk about that, like how you, you know, said, okay, look, I want to be a sober coach, and what did I do to train it or whatever? Can you talk about that, your sober coaching? Okay, well, I'm not, I've am not. i never been called a sober coach before, but it, it works. Um, oh. I'm, I actually consider myself a life coach. That's what I've been trained as and certified as. Oh, okay. But I'm sorry. I do coach around sobriety, but no, that's all right. It's I can understand how that could have been interpreted. Right. Um, I'm not interested in keeping people hooked forever. I mm-hmm. offer a 28 day resolve program where we go deep and we start peeling back the fingers of of, of the isms that they've started downloading. So mm-hmm. we start from the outside in, and it's four different um, assessments. So we start with their relationship with alcohol. It's got like 30 plus questions. And the reason why I don't have the exact number is because I'm always refining my work. And so there may be 30, 30, 40, any given time. But it gives Mm -hmm. them an opportunity to really look at their relationship with alcohol. You know, what am I thinking before I drink? What am I feeling after I drink? What was I hoping to feel? And it kind of has all these different questions, these open-ended questions and I give them very specific instructions of how to complete this work. And then we spend a 45-minute uh, session together going through the assessment or going over what the assessment brought up for them. So it's not mm-hmm. really a, you know, we're, we're going to go line by line. This is, this is life. And what we're doing is we're looking for information to help you move, wow. to grow and move forward. Oh, this is great. And then so the next you, assessment. You, you, yeah, go ahead. I'm, go I'm ahead. looking at it right yeah. now. You can explain it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to just give you a little uh, yeah. yeah. commercial push for your, your site. Go ahead. And then the <laughs> next assessment is the next assessment is all about your relational environment. So it's about everything that influences you in, in, in your life. So your family, your husband, or your significant other, your work, your faith, your, your, um, you know, your body your charity, your creativity. So we look at how these things are influenced by um, alcohol, how you, what, you, what you're happy about them, what you'd like to see different in them. So it kind of gives you more of an opportunity to look at your life as a whole instead of just 
I have a problem with alcohol because alcohol mm. typically is not the problem. Oh. And then the, the next assessment is all about the woman, her as an individual, not as a mother, not as a worker, not as a wife, not as a, a, a Christian, it's just you as an individual. Let's talk about you. And we go in deep about what matters to her. And then the last assessment is all about your resolve. How do you want to move forward? How do you want to take all this information and do you want to go into mindful moderation? Do you want to practice abstinence for a time being? Or do you want to say, you know what, I'm ready to live life sober. So it's really up to the woman. She's always in charge. It's great. It's really great. So I'm at pinkcloudcoaching.com. So you're a life coach, a trained life coach. I am a life coach. Yeah. mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really a great great site, and I like that you don't want to hang on to people forever. So I see there's a free no. consultation, right? Here are 28 days sober resolve, four 45-minute sessions, and then a sober strategy, a 160-minute session, a 90-day resolve evolve, which 12 life coach, coaching and sober strategy sessions, and then a full-day intensive. And then you do, um, what is it looking at here, like some speaking. So... Yeah, we need you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. That feels good to hear. Yeah, I really need you badly because uh, sitting in court, you know, is hearing about somebody whose child is dead, and then I come home, and then there's I talk to another woman in another state whose child is dead from rehab and abusive oh rehabs, gosh. bad rehabs, and I talk to another woman whose child is so traumatized that she can't even talk about it. She has to talk about it. And then I call another friend whose brother's kid is dead from rehab out here. And um, and I know why it's happening now, but uh, it's kind of made me want to, I don't know, just promote everybody who's who has these things that you have. So how long have you had this Pink Cloud coaching? Since 2012. I played with, um, because I knew I didn't want to do traditional recovery coaching because it didn't work for me. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't support it. I couldn't, I couldn't be an advocate for it, but I wanted to help women. I wanted to give them an opportunity to live a life of sobriety like I was experiencing, which is pretty freaking phenomenal. Mm -hmm. But, um, but every time I would get a client, they would go to the same, the same track of, I have this disease, I can't help myself. And it's like, no, you don't. How, I didn't know that you, I, I didn't stand strong enough at that time saying you don't have a disease. I didn't have that information yet. But um, to say that you're powerless, that you can't help yourself, that would always just hit me in the gut. It's like, how, I mean, you're just giving up. Why? Because people said so? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's no fight. They've already, you know, they've given up. And you, it's really hard to coach people who are in that mindset. So, I was frustrated and I would kept, kept going back to health coaching. And then finally in 2012, I just drew a line in the sand and said, I'm going to do it my way. And I don't know how that's going to look, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to create it. I'm going to make it happen. And it's just been, it's been growing steadily ever since. It's the biggest challenge though, is really helping people understand that I'm not, I don't coach alcoholics. I don't coach recovery. And every time I have a conversation with somebody that I help women change their drinking habits, oh, you do controlled drinking, or oh, you do, I have an alcoholic sister, or, or it's, they want to put me in that same pool. So it's right. really and I, hard I think to, it's in, the education of the language. So when I would interview people like Ken Anderson, so I interviewed all these people for my film, right, and he was all about harm reduction and to reduce, by just using that wording, to reduce the harm um, the moderate use, but there was language that I was finding was very fresh and new and was like really excited about and grabbing onto uh, myself as I made the film and was deprogramming at the same time. And I bet for you, because like what you said, that Mark Lewis's book wasn't out, um, so The Sober Truth wasn't out yet, maybe? Um, like the um, books even- I don't know. I read Sober Truth, though, yeah. And he he, he wasn't going to write it, anything. right? He wasn't going to write it. And people around him were like, no, 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 you have all this opinion and, and, you, and you need to write this book. And it's a thin book. That's an easy read, too. And he's a really, you yeah. know, heady guy. 
But that book was written so that the layperson could just like flip right through it. And even the one that came out in December of 2014, which is Beyond Addiction, Jeff Foote out of mm-hmm. New York who created the Center for Motivation and Change and Craft for Families and Using Science and Kindness instead of Bullying and Al-Anon and Throwing Your Kid Out on the Street, right? That these books, like I was like, where was this book like two years ago? You know, and, it, and the, right. so what I'm saying for you, so if you started that in 2012, you must have too felt and seen a wave, right? Gabrielle Glaser's book came out in the summer of 2013. Um, right. Right, we her, were on uh, her. Right. Her book was one of the first ones that I read and thought, "Oh my gosh, finally somebody!" It was her. Her book was the, my first exposure to somebody who didn't subscribe to what everybody else did, and that was AA, disease, everything else. Mhm, mhm, mhm. Uh, yeah, yeah. We just need more of like free PR, though, right? You know, free PR, AA, and all those people get. Because when we were on Katie Couric, Tom Horvath said the next day in the smart recovery meetings, there were like triple the amount of women. And smart has grown, if you look on their chart, like there were 800 meetings then, and now there's like 3,000. Or It's like really grown because I asked him for the We statute. need to have other possibilities to explore. And, so do, you have any, do you have any bench ads anywhere? Bench ads. I don't even know what that is. It's like a bus. You know, you have a bus stop with a bench oh, and no. their ads. You could pay for yeah, a bench um, ad, like like uh, real estate people do. I did that for my film. I mean, I don't know what they're did like you? up there, but yeah, it's. Uh, I'll send you like a picture of it. It's right on the corner of like Pico and Westwood. There's a big guitar center right behind it. But this is. I mean, that's paid. That's something you know cost me thousand dollars, thousands of dollars a year to do it. But I had to do it. Right. I felt I I compelled to do it because how, what else am I going to do? Um, you know, big, smaller papers are, you know, less money. Maybe on a bus you can do it. But, you know, you have a show like Mom on CBS. It's just like one big commercial for Alcoholics Anonymous. And, um, but this, oh, God, you know, it's, it's, I know. We, you know. Right, but I think that it, it, I do feel like it's uh, – but I guess back to what I was saying when asking you – that as these books started to come out, you were already in place. You already had your one book. But the, see, this one was not out, right? Look at that. We're talking right now. It's 2019, right. seven years. Um, and you've been right. coaching. Right. So, uh, you know, how many how many women have you helped? Do you keep track or no? Thousands. Yeah, no. Thousands? No. Wow. Thousands. That's great. Have you ever been a speaker at some kind of conference? No, because it's always... I've always been pushed in. Nobody wants. I'm in this weird spot, and so, but I've I've made a breakthrough this year, um, speaking on winding down and and the pitfalls of winding down, and that's wine, apostrophe ding down, um, because <laughs> everybody wants to put me in. You know, you should speak it for recovery. Well, I don't do recovery, but nobody wants to put me. Uh, in the lineup of speakers for, you know, something that's empowering or something because they think that I'm doing around alcoholic and addiction and stuff like that. It's like, no, that's not. I'm actually trying to empower women to take charge of their lives. Mm-hmm. So, um, Winding down is people who want to drink less wine? Is that what that means? Winding down is people who are winding down at the end of the day. Incredibly successful oh. women who are choosing to wind down with with wine and wanting to shut off the 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 repetitive thinking you know they, they they're overwhelmed with all their to do's and they're choosing to wind down with mm. with alcohol interesting so it's a little play we're getting words. girl yeah. we're getting close to the end of our time um i want to have you back on tell me again when the book is coming out i'll add some of this in the episode info when is it going to be fully released Fully released on Valentine's Day, from my heart to yours. Oh, good. That's, All that's right. my so whole that's plug. Yeah. That's right around the bend, yeah. okay, no. February 14th. So why don't we have you back on after it's out? Like, let's have you on again in a month. That'd be fantastic. Looking forward to it. Oh, it'd be great. So I am talking to Teresa Rodden. Am I saying your last name right? You are. Thank you for asking. But, yes, you are. You got it. 
All right, Teresa Rodden, and she is a um, a coach and the author of uh, a life coach, author of Primed Drinker and Holy Sober. Holy Sober is available on Amazon already, and your website, I think, and that is really um, Teresa's uh, life story, her her bio, and not her bio, but I'm sorry, uh, yeah, it's memoir. Memoir, yeah. I I knew there was another word for that, and uh, mm-hmm. but the new one that is I think going to bring you into another level is this primed drinker, because I think there's a yeah, lot. Yeah, people... and the subtitle, the subtitle of the prime drinker is when alcoholism is not the problem and recovery is not the solution. So it really frames it up pretty well. What to expect? Yeah, it does, and you will attract all those people who feel that way because of the way you framed it. And tell me, I'm telling you, there are millions millions mm-hmm. of people. You're probably going to have guys reading this. <laughs> you know, I'm actually, I, I'm, I'm so glad, and I know that we're out of time, but you mentioned that yesterday, and I wanted to let you know, and you, you're the first to hear this, that there's actually a primed drinker for him coming out. Oh, good. I, you know, I'm so glad to hear that. Really am. Yeah, because they, there's guys needed to. These guys who want that thing. But, Absolutely. Um, I, I, I had too many people reach out to me, and so I'm interviewing a couple guys to put in as case studies that I haven't worked with, but I've experienced sober, mm-hmm. and I think that they have compelling stories. Yep. Well, I want to thank you so much uh, for being on my show. Everybody, go to pinkcloudcoaching.com where you can see um, everything that Teresa has. Teresa Rodden, R-O-D-D-E-N. And Teresa spelled T-E-R-E-S-A. You can find all the information. And I'll add some links to this uh, podcast. Thank you so much, Teresa. It was really great talking to you. Thank you, Monica. It's been my pleasure. We'll talk again soon. See everybody in a couple weeks. We're going to be doing more shows this year. Thank you. Bye-bye. Good night.